The following podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Quote, We must take the best of those things that are in our power, and take the rest as nature gives it. End quote. Epictetus. Discourses. 1.1 Hello Rescuers, I hope you are well. I'm your host, Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Ever since I published episode 2, 13 GM Rules, I've been getting feedback. And I shared some of that feedback last week in episode 6. But today, I wanted to outline the first of the changes that I am making to my personal approach to being game or dungeon master. Barney from Loco Ludus has been encouraging me to embrace the concept of the manifesto as a means to discussing my new approach to gaming, and I rather like that idea. For those who perhaps are not entirely sure what a manifesto is, because, friends, I actually have to admit that looking it up proved very helpful to me, here's a quick definition. Manifesto. A public declaration of principles, policies or intentions, especially of a political nature. Now, it's not my intention to make any political claims here, at least not in an overt way, and no more than any human interaction is, by its very nature, a political act. No, manifesto in the context of gaming is a public declaration of the principles, policies and intentions that we might have in our gaming. To my mind, there will be two major parts to my manifesto for roleplay gaming. The first being the principles, policies and intentions of the Game Master, and the second, of course, being the principal policies and intentions of the player. Today, I'm beginning to write my manifesto, and we begin, as they say, at the beginning. I'm going to talk about what I believe needs to be the first principle of the Game Master. This is Season 8, Episode 7, Manifesto Part 1, The Limits of Our Power. We began with a quotation from Epictetus, the Stoic philosopher of the early Imperial Roman period, who opens his famous discourses with a very clear statement. Quote, we must take the best of those things that are in our power, and take the rest as nature gives it. End quote. I began my revisitation of Stoic ideas back in March 2020, just as the first lockdown was imposed upon the United Kingdom and I was thrust into a life of near seclusion for most of the hours of the day over a period of 12 or so weeks. I had read Stoicism back at university, it was part of my philosophy course, but I had not really grasped the significance of the ideas. I had spoken to students in more recent years about Stoicism, feeling as I did that it was a worthwhile philosophy, but I had not read anything in many decades. In March 2020, that all changed. If only I'd stuck with my early practice of Stoicism, it might have helped me to avoid my recent troubles of mind, but I didn't. 
To be honest, I didn't really have the stamina or discipline yet to implement a stoic approach. I have been fortunate, however, because my good friend Ian bought me two stoic texts for Christmas, and I've begun to read one of them and been reminded of Epictetus's advice. We must take the best of those things that are in our power and take the rest as nature gives it. It's good advice. It's also the basis of the first principle of my manifesto for roleplay gaming. Some things are within our power and others are not. Thus, the game master must focus on the things that are within their power and remain indifferent to those which are not. Principle 1. The Game Master must focus on the things that are within their power and remain indifferent to those which are not. I propose that this is quite a departure for me from the ways of the past. Most of my so-called cognitive rules of the past are swept away in the proposal of this principle. It is no longer my responsibility as GM to make sure the players are having a good time. Neither am I required to know everything about the game system and the game world before play begins. Nor am I compelled by much else in my ill-fated list from episode 2. Let's break it down. As GM, focus on the things that are within your power. That's a lot less to focus on than what I've been telling myself was necessary. I'm going to apply this in the context of the first game I intend to run this year, a return to the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings, my mega dungeon, played with GURPS and the dungeon fantasy genre treatment. It's within my power to take action to play the game. I know that sounds obvious, but that said, it's not actually something that a lot of people, myself included, act like they understand. I can be proactive, I can take action, I have agency to play the game. It's within my power also to decide on the goal of the game before we begin play. Here I'm referring to the overall goal of the game as distinct from the goals of the players as a group or the characters as individuals within the game world. For me the goal right now is to run six sessions in a mega dungeon of my own design, the Fire Citadel, and provide a mix of intrigue, action, combat, interaction and exploration. Thus, for me, each session will need to be designed to deliver on that goal. Breaking it down, that means I need to focus on preparing intriguing situations, challenges that require action from the characters, opportunities for combat, opportunities for interaction with non-player characters, and some locations to explore. I guess that last one is the dungeon itself. What's not within my power is the response of the players to any of that stuff that I prepare. They may not be intrigued, they may refuse to act to overcome some or all of the challenges I present, they may decline to fight, they may ignore my NPCs, they might decide to go nowhere and explore nothing. That's not on me. But whatever they choose to do in the game, it is in my power to respect their agency and respond with imagination. I can be enthusiastic about their characters' efforts, and I can agree to follow their desires even when they do not meet with my own. You see, as GM, I have a great deal of power to affect the environment within which the game will take place, but my agency runs to its limit at the point where a player makes a choice to act within the world I have offered. And that is liberating to me. I can draw the map, stock the rooms, choose some monsters, 
create some NPCs, design some clues, set up challenging situations, and come to the session ready to play. But whether it's a good game is not my judgement to make. I can ask myself after the fact if I met my goals, but those were largely in my power before the game session itself. As things unfold, as the player's actions begin to call upon me to improvise, then I shall focus on my goal, provide a mix of intrigue, action, combat, interaction and exploration. Because, and this is only just dawning on me, there is a distinction between being the game master before a session and being the referee during one. The one is setting up the parameters for the session, while the other is responding in the moment to the decisions of the players and arbitrating the rules. I choose to separate those roles with preparation rather than blur them with unnecessary improvisation. I can't remember where exactly I read this, but someone has commented that whether you choose to prepare before the session or improvise during the session, you are doing the same kinds of things. It's just that you can prefer to create things before the game begins play or choose to create stuff on the fly as the game is in progress. And I find that I prefer to prepare, but as ever, your mileage may vary. My specific application of the first principle is not the point. The point is that the game master must focus on the things that are within their power and remain indifferent to those which are not. Okay, so what do we mean by remain indifferent to those things which are not within our power? Indifference is a word with a bad rap in the modern world. For Stoics, it means to hold the accepting attitude that whichever way things go, that is acceptable to me. The simplest example for me is my attitude towards the roll of the dice. I can't control the actual outcome of the roll of the dice. I can, of course, control when we choose to roll those dice. That is within my power, especially being the GM. But once the dice are cast, well, then the outcome is essentially random. And I love it when we roll dice. The uncertainty is something that I savour and deeply enjoy. But and this is important, I have come to believe that, as a GM, once the dice are thrown, I need to treat the outcome as an indifferent. It should not necessarily matter to me, in my inner self, which way the dice result goes. This is the heart of what it means to remain impartial as a referee at the table. The character is choosing to jump across the wide open chasm, and it's a bit too far to be an easy jump. It'll require strength and skill to make that jump. I've made it clear to the player what the stakes are in the situation. If they succeed, they will certainly escape the ravenous bug blatter beast that is pursuing them, which is of course the reason to take such a huge risk. But if they fail, well, it's a long way down and we'll be rolling a lot of d6s for the falling damage. The player can make a judgement, turn and face the bug blatter, or make a running jump for the other side of the chasm. We consult their jumping skill and I adjudicate the modifiers all before the player commits to the die roll. They make the choice to jump. We roll. And this is where I need to be sanguine about the outcome. Either way. I suppose I'm probably going to be rooting for the character in the sense of wanting to see my friend succeed. But as referee, I must be ready to accept the roll of the dice. But if I'm not, then I am far better off deciding the outcome by fiat. 
To extend my example, if I know that the bug blatter beast will near certainly kill my friend's character in a meaningless moment, and if I'm not willing to accept that possibility, then I should exercise my power and decide that the jump is a success. Let's not waste time rolling the dice. While it might seem like fun to roll the dice, offer a moment of tension to the players, and then fudge it, well, that's not really rolling the dice. Certainly you picked up the dice and you rolled them, but to me, the role of the dice includes reading the result, interpreting it, and applying it. And in a game, I want to respect the result of the dice. If you don't like dice, then fine, don't use dice. That's a valid choice totally within your power as a GM before the game even begins. We can say, hey, dice suck, let's play a diceless game. But again, this specific example of applying the principle is not what's important. It's the principle's second part that I want to emphasise. Remain indifferent to those things which are not within our power. As GM, the decisions the players make are not in my power. I can show them the odds, hint at the consequences as I see them, and I can certainly present the situation in any way that seems appropriate. But that's it. Once the players choose, I need to accept that choice and move forward with play. Did they choose to attack my precious NPC leader and refuse to negotiate? Well, that's their right. It's their agency as players, and so I should not shed a tear as my precious leader's head is removed by the deft swing of a barbarian's axe. To my mind, this is a simpler and more straightforward way in which I can approach my play, because it's a principle, not a litany of rules that can't, by their nature, apply to every situation. I can free myself of a lot of cognitive baggage. When I focus on what is within my power, moment by moment, whether before the session or during it, and I choose to treat all the other stuff as indifferent, well, then I'm free to enjoy the play. And that's the point, as far as I'm concerned. And there it is. My first submission for Webster's Manifesto for Roleplay Gaming. Principle 1. The Game Master must focus on the things that are within their power and remain indifferent to those which are not. To be honest, there are dozens of points I could make that fall out from underneath this principle. Those are probably the subject of a host of potential future episodes. This is the way of things in podcasting. My time here is limited and I want to keep the episode focused, so while I might get off into the weeds about for just one example how your choice of game rules affect the boundaries of your power as GM or player, I'm going to hold it right there. Focus on the things that are within your power. Recognise your agency as a GM. Choose the goals you have for the game you are going to offer. Prepare the stuff you feel you need to deliver on those goals and then offer that session to the players. The rest is outside of your power to control. The players will make their choices. If you use dice, those dice will shape the direction of play further, and you will be able to focus on engaging with the decisions that you need to make in play at the table in response to the decisions of the players and the outcomes on the dice. This is the source of joy in gaming, or at least it is for me. I love to watch the players make their choices, and I enjoy the clatter of dice and the consequences thereof. If you feel differently, well that's fine. Just remember the principle. Focus on the things that are within your power, and remain indifferent to those which are not. Game on. And now it's time for some call-ins. 
H.A. really enjoyed episode 804, Ciphering. Um, nice to hear you stepping out of your comfort zone there and um, getting into a game that might, you know, use an approach or terminology that doesn't quite jive with with your way of thinking. Um, what appears to be going on in the cipher system is that Monty appears to be reminding us or emphasising the fact that the GM is a player too and in a way kind of sidestepping that sense of responsibility for everyone at the table and, yeah, emphasising the fact that you are just another player. You're just playing the game slightly differently to everybody else. Hey, Jay, Jason here. Roleplay Rescue 804 Ciphering. So this is a much deeper conversation I can do in phone calls, but I'm very glad that, that Cypher has clicked with you and Monty Cook's book has clicked with you, but Cypher really has nothing to do with it. That's how I pretty much run all my games. That Barbarian's Lamoria game I played with you years ago, ran for you years ago, that's how I did that. I, I, I think those principles he's talking about are really universal and maybe that's because I come to gaming as a social gamer so and I'm trying to yell into the mic in my car here so I'm sorry about audio issues but I think it's because I'm a social gamer that I look at this differently but and I think there's something else to this the difference between like Euro games and Ameritrash games to do board game terms but that's a broader subject I'll cover in my podcast but for the purpose of this podcast what I will say is that um, I, I think that principle that, you know, the shoot, and I'm in the car, I have to re-listen, but effectively that the, the group tells the story, not the GM, right? So the, the game is the story told by the, by the whole group, the players in the GM. I forget the right wording. I'm sorry, my friend. But that can work in any game. It, it's not limited to Cypher at all. And I don't think, I don't even think you need a game like Cypher to do it. I think you can totally do that with Dungeons and Dragons. Um, especially with like BX or OSE if you prefer that modern hack of BX. So I, I definitely think it's totally doable with any system. Well, at least any system that I would run. But yeah, I'll release an episode. I'm not being negative. I'm glad you're there and, and I'm not being down on Cypher. I, I just think it's much wider than that. I Like I say, I really hope this isn't coming across the wrong way. I just want to say that these principles can apply to any game, and Monty Cook didn't come up with them. I'm glad that his way of explaining them clicked with you, because different, you know, we all need different things to for for ideas to click with us. So Monty's way of doing it clicks with you, great. But it's got nothing to do with him. He didn't come up with it, and it's definitely got nothing to do with Cipher, which is just a resource management game. Um, but I, I would play it any day with you, and and yeah, I'm excited to see how. You apply this across to other games in the future. So I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right. So call-ins there from Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands and, of course, the inimitable Jason Connolly from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And, in fact, Jason did go on to record a whole episode talking about and trashing Cypher System. And then he recorded another episode retracting his trashing of Cypher System, um, which is all very amusing to me. Hey, I, 
So thank you, Spencer. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Monty is trying to remind us that the GM is a player too. I think that's a really strong idea and something that, you know, is easily forgotten. It's certainly, for me, easily forgotten. I, uh, I've i always sort of seen myself as secondary uh, at the table. And of course, that is a really unhelpful way of looking at it. So, you know, I was trying to reflect back the experience I'd had with the Scythe system and with reading Monty's stuff with a fresh and open mind because what I was trying to point out more than anything was that previously I hadn't come with an open mind I'd come with a lot of preconceptions a lot of baggage on Jason's point I I kind of feel like in a way that um you kind of missed where I was coming from with uh, the cyber system because what I was trying to do is express my experience of, of getting into Monty's stuff and what that had revealed to me and sort of put that out there. Um, I wasn't evangelizing particularly for Monty Cook or for the Monty Cook's uh, cipher system per se. I'm just kind of, you know, talking about my experience. That said, when you make the comment that the cipher system is, quote, just a resource management game, end quote, I kind of think that's a bit harsh. As if, like, for starters, the resource management was something that's bad. Now, I know that in your own podcast, Jason, people have come back at you with that uh, in the second episode, and I know that you kind of ended up, you know, qualifying that a little bit on the grounds that basically a lot of role-playing games are about resource management. And that's a real big part of the OSR, for example, which I know that is something you identify with. That being said, I kind of take your point that, you know, yeah, these, these approaches can be used with a lot of different role-playing games i hesitate to say with any game because i think there are some games that really don't lend themselves to a story narrative approach at all you know the point is well made that yeah you can probably adapt this stuff for anything else but then again you know we're back to the question that evil jeff has asked me many many times which is if you're playing a game where it works for you and it's all set up that way why would you want to go and adapt that to another system why not just play with the system as designed and so for me you know having kind of got into the scythe system a little bit I'm kind of asking myself that question. If I'm doing a narrative game, why wouldn't I play Cypher? But there you go. There's two more minutes of me waffling on about that, and that's probably quite enough. Let's see. I got a call from Rob. Hey, Jay. Just finished listening to your uh, episode. Sorry about the background noise. Um, lots of great ideas. Um, definitely Andy's ideas actually sparked off a, a whole round of uh, interesting um, thoughts on this subject of going around in circles or not, as the case may be. Uh, through for all as well, everybody else, great stuff. Um, I'm just uh, thinking that uh, um, it's important to remember that it's not the uh, it's not the uh, destination, but the journey. It's important, you know. We're here to enjoy ourselves, particularly with a game. Um, and also, um, yeah, you could uh, you can re- reconsider what uh, reincarnation is to get back to the Buddhist thing. Um, to understand that um, there's all sorts of little deaths and and um, rebirths within uh from moment to moment uh, day to day uh, month to month that uh continue on and carry us on through life and uh sometimes there is no change sometimes there is so all these thoughts and emotions and uh passions and, and um and memories come to our minds unbidden we don't have much choice about them and we can't keep hold of them you know so the question is do we keep attached to these things or not um and and do, does one lead to another? Is there some kind of evolution or not? So I like the idea of um, this uh, upward spiral as opposed to a downward spiral or rabbit holes. Um, anyway, uh, you don't need me to reiterate what um, that green 
hand puppet can tell you anyway. But uh, just some thoughts. I could probably have a chat with you and put these into a little better uh, form, but uh, this is the best I can do at this time. Have a good one, man. Thanks for the episode. Take care. So Rob there from Japan, also known as Minion. And uh, thanks, man. It's really great having you call in, share a little bit of that like Buddhist Zen perspective there. I really enjoy hearing. Yeah, I just enjoyed doing the episode, kind of talking about it, hearing people's responses and responding back. It's made uh, a big difference to me. And I think that's the power of this podcast for me uh, and the reason I keep doing it. You know, there's been moments, I'll be honest with you, there's been moments where I've thought about packing it all in. And um, and yet, you know, it's this community, it's you guys calling in that just keeps me coming back. So thank you. Um, and you're not the only one who enjoyed the episodes on, um, you know, Am I Stuck in a Loop and uh, the cycle of change because I had a call from, well, this guy. Hey, Jay. Just calling about your bonus episode on the cycle of change. I thought it was a great episode. I thought it was interesting about how you had taken something uh, and gotten something positive from it and um, really became conscious of, you know, yes, you are in a cycle, but it is not necessarily a negative one. And so that's, that's great. And I think that's helpful for a lot of people, myself included. So keep up the great work and I will talk to you later. Thanks, Jason Weep. I uh, really love getting, hearing from you and uh, thanks for the message and, and the encouragement, really. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, it seems like multiple people have been touched by this episode. So it, it seems like, you know, Andy Goodman calling in, me putting that out there and us talking about it as a community really has benefited um, kind of a lot of people by the sounds of it. And so, you know, let's echo it back. Thanks, Andy, for, you know, being a good friend and calling in. And thanks to everybody, all these guys who called in on this topic over the last few weeks. It's been brilliant. Now then, I've got a couple more calls. First one from John Large. Let's see what he's got to say. Hey there, Che. This is John coming from Red Dice Stories. I've just been listening to your episode 805. Very much enjoyed that. It was interesting to hear you sort of laying out your sort of your rough plan for what you're going to do in 2021. And I'll just sort of call in and say that uh, hearing the sort of ideas and the, the sort of motivations behind what games you run and things like that is a big part of what I enjoy listening to on your podcast. And in actual fact, it's made me think, you know, should I maybe talk about uh, like the motivations behind like the games I run and what I'm thinking about the games that I'm running at the moment and as they're going on? Maybe I'll get around to that. Who knows? But I think your podcast has definitely been a great motivator for me to reflect on my own sort of motivations and my own reasons for doing things in the sphere of gaming. So just wanted to call in and say thank you very much for that, dude. Hope you're keeping well. Look forward to future episodes. Take care. Well, thanks, John. I really appreciate you calling in and uh, a bit of vote of confidence there, really, on the episode. I'm always a bit self-conscious about what am I planning to do. But I guess episodes um, in Series 8 so far have been very personal. And um, it's glad. I'm really just glad that it's... Uh, that it resonated for you and encourage you to think a little bit about why you're doing what you're doing. So uh, thanks for that. Really, really appreciate the call in. I've just got one more now, and it uh, looks like Connolly's back. Let's see what he's got to say. Hey, Jason here. Just listen to 806. Great episode. You have some great input from the callers. R- really enjoying hearing other people's thoughts on all this. Um, some really thoughtful, good responses. 
I'm, I'm very glad people are giving the feedback, and this is a great topic and a great community discussion. Hopefully people call in with the kind of constructive criticism and the, like you asked, ask a question, you know, for the different things. And, and so far, you know, it has been positive like that. I'm also very interested to hear your next episode and, and how this manifesto develops that Barney's espousing. And, you know, I'm going to have to think about that and try to come up with one of my own one of these days. That's a very, you, you've really, you really given us a lot of thought, a lot to think about, a lot of, a lot of meat this season. So really, really appreciate it. Take care, my friend. Talk to you soon. If you've enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can also find the Roleplay Rescue page on Facebook, join our RPR group on MeWe, or follow me at UbiquitousRat on Twitter. If you want to support the show, you can join the Roleplay Rescue Patreon and gain access to weekly Dungeon Masters Diary episodes and early access to every episode of the main show. Patrons also gain access to the Roleplay Rescue Discord. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. All the links mentioned here are in the show notes. Remember, Roleplay Rescue is all about building a community of discovery where we can all feel accepted. It's time for role players everywhere to find a pathway back to the table. So if someone you know might get some benefit or enjoyment from today's episode, please consider sharing it with them via social media. Thanks in advance for your support. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who called in today and making this episode even better. And I think that's about all we've got time for this week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor Mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue and tap on the Messages button to leave yours. Alternatively, you could record your thoughts on your phone and email the sound file to me directly via hello at rpgrescue.com. And that, as they say, is a wrap. I'm Che Webster. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode of Roleplay Rescue. Game on.